This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. Do you say and do things when drinking that you regret the next day? Is alcohol a problem for you or someone you really care about? Over the next hour, we'll find out how people just like you and me found sobriety in AA through sharing their experience, strength and hope. Welcome to AA Live, brought to you by Alcoholics Anonymous. Kia ora e te How are you this evening? Welcome to the AA Live radio show. It's great to be here this evening. And this is a show that is exploring the ideas behind a way of recovery through the Alcoholics Anonymous program. Great to have you around the motu this evening and even around the world. Now, a warm welcome to my co-host tonight. How has life been treating you? Oh, ups and downs. Yeah. But not too bad. You're using your toolbox from the uh, program? I'm using my toolbox. (laughs) I've been needing my toolbox. As long as you're not hammering anything, you should be good. That's right. (laughs) Just some chiseling. Chiseling? Yeah, no, I understand that. I did some chiseling this last week too. Now, Alcoholics Anonymous, folks, it is a service based purely on one alcoholic helping another alcoholic or a room full of alcoholics helping a alcoholic. It's a 12-step program where recovering alcoholics support each other uh, through uh, wanting to stop drinking. So we do the mahi together, we do the 12 steps and some of us stay, some of us don't, some of us return. The nice part about Alcoholics Anonymous is that the door is always open even if you find you need to go back out and do some more research. So tonight we are going to start with the serenity prayer, the karakia, as we usually do. This gets us in the mood to uh, talk recovery, share a bit about our experience, strength and hope that we've found since coming into the rooms. So if you'd like, please do join us out there and I believe my co-host is going to do the honours for us this evening. So fire away on that serenity prayer. God. God. Grant me me the the serenity serenity to accept the things things I cannot change, change. courage Courage to to change change the things things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Now, I'd just like to offer that any opinions that you hear this evening on the show, they are ours. They're not necessarily that of AA as a whole. Now, I am going to start with the daily reflection as a little bit of a, a spirit lifter, and It is called opening up to change. Self-searching, oops, self-searching is the means by which we bring new vision, action and grace to bear upon the dark and negative side of our natures. With it comes the development of that kind of humility that makes it possible for us to receive God's help. We find that bit by bit we can discard the old life, the one that did not work for a new life that can and does work under any conditions whatsoever. That's from our book, As Bill Sees It. It's on page 10. I have been given a daily reprieve contingent upon my spiritual condition, provided I seek progress, not perfection. To become ready for change, I practice willingness, opening myself to possibilities of change. 
If I realise there are defects that hinder my usefulness in AA and towards others, I become ready for by meditating and receiving direction. Some of us have tried to hold on to our old ideas and the result was nil until we let go absolutely. That's a saying from Alcoholics Anonymous book, page 58. To let go and let God, I need only surrender my old ways to him. I no longer fight, nor do I try to control, but simply believe that, with God's help, I am changed and affirming this belief makes me ready. I empty myself to be full of awareness, light and love, and I am ready to face each day with hope. Now I love that saying, that reading. It helps me realise when I'm taking over again because I do have a tendency to do that. Uh, I know that's one of my shortcomings: control, control, control. Uh, I think it helps other people out there as well. It it's one of those things where acceptance comes into key. That's what I find with my serenity prayer. Uh, Grant me this. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. And we don't always have to agree with everybody. That's where that line comes in for me. I don't have to agree with how somebody else sees something. They don't have to agree how I see it. All we have to do is accept each other that we are different and we can see it as a difference. So it's okay. Um, and I suppose courage to change the things I can. That comes in along as if you think you need to just put your boots in a little bit further, <laughs> get that chisel out, get that hammer out and make a change. It doesn't have to be harsh though. And obviously the wisdom is there to uh, help us figure that one out. But yeah, that handing over, giving ourselves and realising that I don't live the life I used to live is a big one for me. And it helps me get through every day. What about you, Sean? Does that help you at all? It does help me. And, and I'm constantly reminded, in fact, just today I was, about how regularly my sort of old ways of thinking still shine through. You know, even though I'm not drinking and I haven't had a drink in almost nine months now, I still I still think the same way. And, and yeah, so um, that was what I took out of that reading is yeah how much i'm still how how similar i am to the person even though i feel completely different i'm still so much the same person and that's what i'm working on you know and and um and i agree with you as well about the serenity prayer it really encompasses so many so many things that are, are deeper than just those three lines you know um Except, yeah. And I also agree that acceptance, acceptance is so key. That, and it's one thing that I really struggle with sometimes is trying to accept things that, I mean, that's, you know, that was sort of the root of a lot of my mental <laughs> gymnastics that I would jump through is not, is, is imposing my thoughts and on the rest of my life, you know, and the, and the people around me and, and whatnot. And so, and rather than just accepting them and having the serenity to accept them. And it's coming slowly but surely. But. I tell you what, it will get stronger and better for you. Mm. Honestly, I live a life where I, I really didn't have acceptance. I thought I did, but I didn't. Uh, and, yeah, once you open that, I suppose open your mind to it, it can come to you. And there will be 
part. It's, it's a good thing to recognise what you are doing that you don't necessarily feel comfortable with, especially if it's from your past. You know, and and eventually it'll be. For me, it's become a natural to recognise it, and then switch and and make that step. It's um, but your time. Time. Remember, it's one day at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't all have to be. This is one of the big things about the program in Alcoholics Anonymous. We live one day at a time. We don't go past that one day because that is when we start stressing ourselves out and thinking, what ifs? Maybe I could have. All of those woulda, shoulda, could have. <laughs> yeah. We um, just live in today. And if we've got to the end of the day, without picking up, then, geez, we've done really, really well. And we need to congratulate ourselves because we can live in the past uh, and we can jump into the future. And, yeah, it's it's the uh, madness of our minds. And then, of course, we self-medicate, which is not good. Would you like to read us the preamble, please? Yes. Alcoholics Anonymous is a fellowship of men and women who share their experience, strength, and hope with each other, that they may solve their common problem and and help others to recover from alcoholism. The only requirement for membership is a desire to stop drinking. There are no dues or fees for AA membership. We are self-supporting through our own contributions. AA is not allied with any sect, denomination, politics, organization, or institution does not wish to engage in any controversy, neither endorses nor opposes any causes. Our primary purpose is to stay sober and help other alcoholics to achieve sobriety. Thank you. That's wonderful. You are listening to the AA Live Show in association with our friends from Otago Access Radio on 105.4 FM. We're going to go to a song. I have picked some prints today. Money Don't Matter. Enjoy. Show your souls all 
Jan and I'm an alcoholic. My experience, strength and hope story, gosh, I started drinking at a young age. I don't so much remember what I did as a child. I know that we used to hang out at the surf club uh, every weekend and I watched the adults around me um, partake in, in drinking after the day, doing service at the beach, you know, doing doing the uh, life-saving patrol at the beach, and then they would go up to the club rooms, and I suppose I probably had a, a sip of, of Dad's beer, I'm sure. I, I certainly remember having a f- the fun of having a froth moustache at one stage, but for me, alcohol really became a part of my life uh, when I was 14. And I um, had been to a party and um, there was a, a girl who lived across the road and there were all sorts of kids there, all sorts of teenagers, older boys, younger boys um, and girls and um, I had something happen to me at that party and I, th- I think I had had one drink, you know, n- hadn't been a oh, this is a revelation or anything, but it had been a light fun thing, but 
I suppose my mind really goes to the traumatic event that happened to me at that party and then not knowing what to do afterwards and being really traumatized and I um, had a couple of other things happen straight after it when I went to a safe place, what I thought was a safe place and it turned out not to be a safe place and the whole experience, yeah, I was traumatized. And in fact, you know, I didn't walk into the rooms until I was 49. And it's only in this last three years that I have dealt with that trauma um, through the help of, of AA and through counseling. And, uh, you know, from then on, I used alcohol to take off the edge for anything, especially if it was a stressful time or an anxious time. Uh, I went on to um, medication, antidepressants, uh, when I was 15. And it was just a really, really confusing time. There was things happening in my family and we were all sort of having to separate and go our own, own ways. And I was out of place. I went to live in a new city and I didn't know anybody and it was a smaller city than when I came from and so they all sort of looked at me as if I was really different because I, I sort of was. I mean, uh, we we had different haircuts, we kind of spoke differently and yeah, um, and I was lost. I was really, really lost. And so I remember going to the school camp and taking alcohol from the relatives that I was staying at. And I I, um, I drank that and it was gin. And it was awful, but it was all I had on hand. And I remember filling my uncle and aunt's gin bottle with water so that the level didn't go down. You know, and these sorts of things have come, those sorts of thoughts have come to my mind more and more as my sobriety extends, um, things pop into my head that I had forgotten. Uh, so I find that amazing that my brain is generating these memories as my own personal trauma and having a look at myself and getting to understand myself is getting bigger as I go through this 12-step program and, and do what I do in AA. Uh, but yeah... <laughs> From there, it became my crutch. That's sort of what I call my alcohol journey now. It, it was my crutch. It was there for bad times and it was there for good times. And as soon as I left school, I left school at 16 and I joined the office side of things. And you know, we used to go drinking on a Thursday because it was payday. And then we'd definitely go drinking on a Friday. And I remember myself as being a real binge drinker then. Uh, we would partake in anything and everything. Uh, and, of course, it was in line with salary. You know, my, my first salary was $10,000 per year. So um, alcohol was a lot cheaper then too. Uh, but we used to have Friday drinks. And, of course, you paid your um, fee to belong to the social club. And so a lot of those drinks we were, we were having free or, or very cheap at any rate. And so you'd sort of 
get ready and then you'd go to the pub. Now that lasted for me from 16, that sort of drinking, through to, well I went flatting, left home at 17. No, I was 16, just about to turn 17. And so I was drinking illegally, shouldn't have been in pubs, but I was with working people so I I did. I dressed in a corporate style um, and the pubs were the standard place to go and when I wasn't drinking in pubs, well I was drinking in my flat and yeah, as soon as you go flatting it's a a semi-form of freedom that you think you've never had and through till 23 I drank like that. Uh, and then I got into hospitality work uh, as a sideline from my usual office job. And you know, from that, that time of 16 going through to 23, I did so many illegal things, uh, you know, because I thought, well, I can. And so I did. Uh, I remember doing some things I wouldn't even mention on this, on this radio show, but yeah, I do look at myself a bit sideways when I thought, uh, when I ha- when I think about where I went. And so from 23, I got into hospitality work and there I knew I had an issue with my drinking because I would drink every day. And that's where it started, drinking every day. That happened from 23 and it went until I came into the rooms at 49. I continued, I I actually took full-time work in hospitality in the end because I loved the freedom of it, I loved the late nights, I loved the people that I could mix with, we did crazy things like watch the sun come up, Um, we would do drugs as well Uh, and we had our own circle, Uh, it was like we was like a secret society and I remember picking tulips down the gardens in the roads in my hometown and we we went out and we purposely picked all these tulips that our local council or whatever they were that had planted for a friend's birthday. We used to have a, a thing where every Wednesday we'd get together and go on adventures because uh, it was a day off. And it would start with a drink at 8 in the morning and it would finish with a drink at probably 2 or 3 the following morning. So you know that long, long sessions and I lived on toast with avocado and the meal that I would get from my work and alcohol. Oh, and cigarettes, copious amounts of cigarettes. And I look at the health of my body today and I am so incredibly grateful for the health professionals uh, mentally and physically that uh, look after me occasionally, uh, especially my mental ones, my counsellor huge thing for me as well, Um, trauma yoga, there's been so many different avenues to get me back to realising how wonderful life is, because when I walked into the rooms, I didn't think life was wonderful, I thought it was a terrible, terrible place to be, and uh, yeah, it, it wasn't 
It wasn't good for me. I was very alone. I was drinking alone. I was trying to hide my disease. Uh, and I wasn't doing it very well. Although I thought I was. <laughs> is back red from the night before the night before walked into the rumba walked into a dog old red's in town and sitting late at night he doesn't make a sound just adding to the wrinkles on his deathly frown they're only red from all the tears that I Listen to a word the doctor said He told you if you drank another you'd be dead Oh, red eyes, he's back His shoulders ache all over and his brain is tall He pours a drink and listens to his body thaw They're only red from all the thoughts I'm used inside my head What a great song that was, The Beautiful South, Old Red Eyes is back. Really enjoyed that. You are listening to the AA Live Radio Show in association with our friends on Otago Access Radio on FM 105.4. 
We're going to go back to the experience we were listening to earlier on and enjoy that. So I thought I was hiding it well, but yeah, it's turned out, as I've discovered through talking to more and more people, that I wasn't really. And it turns out, too, that friends had sort of disappeared for good reason, because I became somebody that wasn't safe to be around. I remember climbing the scaffolding outside my local, my hometown's town hall, Um thinking I was like superwoman. I would do crazy things, hang out windows of cars as we were going down the streets and climb buildings and dance on tables and dance on bars and basically think that I was indestructible. And I have to say, I was incredibly, incredibly lucky that I never did myself any harm. And then through all of this survival of my drinking career, yeah, I went and I got married. Um, he was also a big drinker and, and uh, we, we drank a lot together. And there'd always be a glass of wine at night or a vodka and tonic or a, yeah, be one or two, but it was the weekends where we really went for it Um, and there were a lot of times when we'd be standing in the bar I worked and coming from other places on my days off we'd always end up where I was working Uh, and we'd be in a state Uh, you know we we might have gone and for a swim in the sea we might have had I remember us having wet clothes a lot standing in there getting undressed and and it was acceptable behavior because everybody was doing it and one of the things I know I did do was make sure I hung around with people who were doing the same things as me anyway my marriage didn't last no surprises there Uh, and I ended up doing a geographical from my hometown is what I know now to be a geographical Uh, and I moved to another part of the country where nobody knew me and I started again and I once again thinking you know this will be better but once again I went and surrounded myself with people who did the same thing and we would party through the night we would uh, we had a bit more freedom because there was not so many buildings around us so we would play our own music really loud we'd see the sun coming up and yeah it became a very much a normal for me it just meant moving to another bar that's all a move meant for me uh, and then I I've lived in many places in New Zealand and then I went to Australia and for me that was utter freedom and I once again here I am thinking I'll turn over a new leaf but I spent my time hanging out with people who drank like me and actually when they didn't then I would go and drink on my own Uh, and it wasn't unusual for me to know the barman in certain bars and find my places where I felt comfortable enough to drink on my own and then I had to bring my mum back to New Zealand actually and it changed a lot of things for me because I stopped doing as much drugs. I didn't stop drinking though and once again with that geographical I surrounded myself with people who drank the same as me and did the same as me and I 
did things that hurt people, my behaviours hurt people, um, people that shouldn't have been hurt and I know when I get to my step nine I have a lot of people to go and apologise to and the strange thing about all of it was that I kept climbing in my career. I was able to work uh, and because it was in hospitality people didn't find it so unusual that I would drink like that and in the end I was going to work straight from the pub in the morning um, or you know riding my bike home and getting changed and then going straight to work uh, and it was when I look back at it it was a hellish life there wasn't a lot of fun in it I was chasing constantly chasing the dollar to pay for my habit uh, and when I came into AA, I just, I was so desperate, I was so desperate, I was in a dark place and I did something that I never ever thought I would do and I put someone else's life in danger, someone who's so dear to me and, you know, I love with all my heart and, um, it was my ma my major wake-up call. And in saying that, through all that time from 23 to 49, I had times where I tried to be sober. But, oh, I was wringing my hands. I wasn't comfortable with who I was. And it didn't take long for me to go, okay, this is long enough. I've given my body a rest. Um, I did all that thing where you change your diet and you make yourself healthy. And I was a gym bunny. and yeah, but I still abused my body with alcohol. And when I came into AA, I found out that I had been poisoning myself. That as an alcoholic, I'm allergic to alcohol. And that allergy manifests itself by a constant craving after I'd had that first drink. The craving would be, nothing else mattered, when do I get the next one? And I'd be sitting there planning my next one before I'd even finished my first one, or the one that I had in my hand. Uh, and it became, I was drowning in debt, I was drowning in who I was, I was drowning in my traumas, I was drowning in the stupid decisions I'd made. And I needed AA. I needed help so badly. Uh, and when I came into the rooms, I am one of the really lucky ones that hasn't picked up since walking into the rooms. I know if I had gone into the rooms between 23 and 49, I would have been one of those people that come in and out, in and out, and said, no, I need to do more research. And I would have gone out and done that. But one of the wonderful things and miracles in the rooms of AA is that I haven't picked up a drink since I walked in and one of my biggest fights with myself was how could I possibly live without it uh, without alcohol and you know today I live a life that has no alcohol in it I still go out with people and I drink I just don't drink alcohol um, I have a life today that has Oh, I have wonderful relationships in my life. I have amazing people around me who actually care for me. And one of the big things for me is that I care about other people too. And I worry about them and I help them. And I do service in AA so that I can be there for a person that comes in and is worried about their drinking or thinks they're an alcoholic or is unsure. Um, 
it's a life today I never dreamed I could have. I feel relaxed in myself. I have dealt with all my traumas and I understand my wrongs uh, and my defects of character uh, and I can look at myself now when I'm challenged and I can go okay how can I deal with this and I have the tools in my toolkit to be able to handle um, handle adversity challenges uh, difficult people um, hard times and you know what's really odd is that I don't seem to have difficult financial times anymore the whole way I look at life now is really switched <laughs> it's black and white it's just um, yeah I'm well cared for my higher power I hand myself over to every day and I have a grateful list every day and I have things obviously I picked up from my counsellor as well but yeah life is as I never thought it could be and I am so so lucky in this life. I am rich beyond my wildest dreams some days and I have somebody who loves me, I have my son who loves me and and I have people who I love too and who make my life a wonderful place to be. So I'm incredibly grateful to have found AA and hope, I have hope for the rest of my life. Uh, as long as I live, one day at a time, and I don't pick up. Um, that's my biggest thing, don't pick up. Uh, yeah, it's an amazing place to be, and I'm really grateful. I'm a really, really grateful alcoholic today. Thanks for letting me share. Cheers. Well, we appreciate anybody that comes in and shares their story and experience with us. So thank you very much for that. We're going to take a break now and have a song from Chicane.
remember that song now that was one of my choices today everybody so I remember that song being something I heard well actually I heard the whole CD because we used to play it in one of the restaurants I worked in (laughs) and I loved it I loved it so much and it became the whole CD became one of my drinking CDs and I used to turn it on at home and if there was nobody there that didn't matter I would dance, drink and party on my own if I needed to. Uh, And I remember having to go into the store. There used to be this wonderful uh, man in in a music shop in my hometown who knew so much music he had this incredible mind for it right and uh, you go into his shop and you'd say hey uh, I heard this CD, and now I can't remember the name of it. It had a yellow marking across it, and there was blue, and the song sort of went, and I'd try and hum it, obviously, I have to admit, badly. And he would know, and he would go, oh, that's this one, and he'd put it on, and sure enough, and that, this one, I played this probably for a year, the CD <laughs> of Chicane, and... Um, it came to mind to play this week because I had given it to my mum and uh, she said to me the other day, I caught up with her the other day and she said, oh, I've been playing that chicane this last week. I love it. I love it. I've been dancing around the house. Now, she doesn't drink, uh, but uh, it certainly was a good reason for me to drink. <laughs> music, music, bring it on. Excuse me. Now, I just wanted to mention we have 12 steps in the program and 12 traditions uh, in AA. And I think that what we might do this evening is actually read out the steps to you. Um, For those that aren't sure of what they are and what it's all about, it's a nice thing for you to know what it is that we do. So I'm going to have a read of those. Although I might give it to my uh, my co-host and give them to him to read them. So there you go. Go for it, buddy. Right. The 12 steps. Number one, we admitted we were powerless over alcohol, that our lives had become unmanageable. Number two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Number three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Number four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Number five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Number six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Number seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Number eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Number nine, 
made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Number 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly, promptly admitted it. Number 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. And finally, number 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all of our affairs. Thank you. That's great. It's always nice to have a reminder of those and to uh, have them read out like that. So great. Thank you for that. Now, there is no membership fees. There aren't any membership fees to join AA. All you need to want to do is give up drinking. Uh, you might be at that place of desperation. You might feel you need to give up. From my experience, it was a place of desperation that brought me into the rooms. But look, come in, sit in a meeting and start the journey with us, a journey into recovery, enlightenment, hope. Uh, it's, it's all out there for you. Uh, thank you very much for spending the evening with us. And I'd like to remind you that if you want to drink, that's your business. If you want to stop, we can help. Now, we have a few... Excuse me, I've got a little frog in there today. Uh, we have a few places and things that you can write to or listen to that may help you. Uh, one of them is the 0800 AA Works line. That's 0800 229 6757. You can give them a call. Uh, you'll get one of us on the other end, not literally me and Sean, but, you know, another alcoholic, and they'll direct you to where there could be the next meeting. We have meetings on Zoom, and we have meetings face-to-face. you ever done a Zoom meeting, Sean? No, I haven't. Ah, I've never been on Zoom, ever. Oh, my gosh. I know. It's shocking (laughs) in this day and age. It is. Oh, we'll have to record a show on Zoom at some point. (laughs) I had to do a few of those through COVID. Uh, We also have a web address down here in Otago. It is aaotago.org.nz. You can jump on there and find out some information too. If you'd like to post us a letter, please do so at PO Box 6115, Dunedin North, Dunedin 9059. We love to get mail. Uh, it's PO Box 6115. And to find out everything you possibly think you need to know about AA, that's also you can find out about Al Anon meetings as well. Just something that popped into my head then. Al Anon is for the partners and family members and who have an alcoholic in their lives you can get support too you don't have to be a drinker to get support Uh, so that website that we have here in New Zealand is aa.org.nz it has meetings lists, it has books, so many things, helpful advice go for it, have a look on there we are going to finish with a song this evening, but I'd like to say thank you for coming and joining me this evening, Sean. Thank you for having me. It's been great to see you. You're looking well, not bouncing off the walls, and <laughs> no. that is always a good thing. <laughs> so everybody, please take care of yourselves out there. Until next time, Matewa.
short but sweet for certain hey, We're climb on two by two To be sure these days This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.